0: You pray for our time and the word and our fellowship today.
1: Father God, again, good morning. Thank you so much for this time together, Lord Jesus. Thank you that you are faithful. Thank you that you are our strength. You are our freedom, Lord Jesus. You are all that we need to live a godly life, Holy Spirit. Thank you to be inside of us, Father God. Thank you for guidance and to uh, help us to understand that this is the way that we need to live, Father God. So, Lord, we give this time to you and speak to us, Holy Spirit. We ask you that you uh, give a strength to your servant, Father God, to uh, be able to accomplish everything that you already have placed in his heart to share. We ask God, and we thank you that we can come together without mm. no fear. Lord Jesus, we pray for our brothers and sisters around the world, for the persecuted church, Father God, for those who right now they are in danger, Father God, for those who are... Uh, uh, in jail, or, or, or for those who have lost their loved one, for those who don't know where their loved one are right now, Father God, we ask you that you will be with them, that you comfort their heart, that you give them the strength that they need, Father God. So we thank you and we pray for those who are the persecutors, Father God, for those who hate your name, for mm-hmm. those who hate you, Father God. You ask us, Lord Jesus, to pray for them. Lord God, so we ask you that you reveal yourself to them through your song, Father God. Give them dreams and visions this morning, Father God. We ask you, Lord God, that you will penetrate their heart, their heart, Father God, and that they will see that you are the Messiah, that you are the King of King and Lord of Lord mm-hmm. Jesus, and that you are coming back, God, for your people for such a time as like this, Father God. So we thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. Let's worship our King. Amen? Yes. <coughs>
2: I'm solid. I think the master, I think the savior. He hasn't changed my heart, changed my name. Forever. I fell asleep, I think the master, I think the savior. I think I'm. to trust when my whole world is falling apart I choose you Jesus cause I still believe
0: Thank you, God. We thank you, God, that it's Your desire that none shall perish, but that all would come to the saving knowledge of You, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, You sit on the throne interceding for us God you are pleased to reveal yourself to us through your son Jesus oh God may we stop fighting against you may we see our need for you Lord you are the creator and we are the created apart from you we are your enemy because of our nature that we're born into. We're all born in sin. But God, you're pleased to draw us to yourself. That we may humble ourselves and repent. And see our great need for the one in whom you provided. Jesus And it's only through Jesus that we can be reconciled to you, God. That we could be adopted into your family. That we would be given the right to call you Abba, Daddy. Oh God, may not one today, Father, remain on the outside. If there's any among us, God, who are not in Christ who have not been born again, God, may today be the day of salvation. (laughs) They don't have to work for it, God. They just have to freely receive. They just know, God, to the depths of their being that they are separated from you. And God, you have made a way. You have made a way. They could be drawn to you. They would just humble themselves and repent and then just receive by faith salvation through Christ to be restored back to their creator and then to be filled with the Holy Spirit, God in them living through them, to accomplish, God, your will for your glory. Oh, Father, we thank you. We thank you that we can gather today and worship you, Father, and hear from you this day, God, to open up your word, my, my King. Father, may we not take it lightly or for granted, but may we understand, God, the privilege that it is. So come, Lord. Feed us today. Give us the living water. Yes. Refresh our weary souls. Restore to us the joy of your salvation, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to take communion. Norma, would you come and allow the song to be played over us? Be encouraged and hold the elements, and we'll take them together.
2: See on the hill of Calvary, my Savior bled for me, my Jesus set me free. Hallelujah. And look at the wounds that give me life, grace flowing from inside, no greater sacrifice.
0: sacrifice. In Jesus' name. Amen. Take the bread Oh, thank you, Father. Norman, would you pray over the cup?
1: so our free, Father God. You have made all things new in our life, Father God. You have given us a new beginning, a new a new start, Father God, because of your sacrifice, Father. So we are so thankful for that, Lord Jesus. Thank you for everything. Your love, your mercy, for your grace, your salvation. For this new kingdom that we are part of right now, Lord Jesus. So we give you glory and honor. And help us to live the life that is I, there, honor you and everything that
0: we do and say, Father, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Take the cup. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Application. The word I'm holding up in front of us this year. It's sustained effort, hard work. This is the Christian life. Sustained effort and hard work. It's a life called to, to persevere, to endure. It's not a cakewalk, but it's a life that is bound for glory because of Jesus. It's a life that you can walk upright amidst a wicked and perverse generation. It's a life in which we are told they're going to hate you because they hated me. These are Jesus' words. It's a life that we're called to consider the cost. It's a life that Jesus says if you put your hand to the plow and if you look back, you're not fit for my kingdom. Are you fit for his kingdom? (laughs) Are you looking back? Because you ought not to if you're a believer. If you're a believer, I can't share this enough to remind us. Like, do you understand, if, if, you're, if you truly are in Christ, the newness that you receive because of what Christ has accomplished. The understanding that you are not bound by shame and guilt any longer. No one, it doesn't matter if they throw your past up to you. It doesn't matter if you lay there and remember your past. (laughs) If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Behold, all things have been made new. And you say, well, I don't feel new. Well, stop basing your faith walk on your feelings you got to walk it out. Just as much effort as you put in to live the old way, you have to put in to live this new way. But here's the good news. That effort is not dependent upon you. It's dependent upon Him in you. Because when you come to Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit God in you. Remember, He's the one that, that gives you the desire and the power. That's what Scripture says. To live it. This new life. This new life that is in Christ. I keep encouraging us and reminding us that you have these three enemies after your soul, you've got this realm. The Bible clearly tells us we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with principalities and rulers in the air of the darkness. You have this realm, the world system, and everything that's a part of it is out to attract you and to lure you from the God in whom you say you believe. It wants you to be dependent upon it. And then ultimately, then you have the flesh, that old man, that old woman that the Bible tells us that until you take your last breath, the flesh, that old nature is warring inside you with the spirit. But don't use that scripture and twist it to give you the right to keep living a sinful life because right after we're encouraged to understand that concept we're told the works of the flesh and the works of the flesh benefit nothing but death but death and we're told all throughout scripture that those who continue to live according to the flesh will not inherit the kingdom of God you could tell you could praise Jesus all day long And still end up in hell. (laughs) Because he's truly not your Lord. He's just a concept in your life. In your life. No, is he Lord? Have you humbled yourself? Have, Have you seen who you are? That's why I keep encouraging you as the scripture encourages us. You must know before you come to God that you are an enemy of God. And you say, Well, I'm not that bad. No, you are bad. Well, I'm good. I, I keep no, no, no. Just in and of yourself, your nature does not love God. It loves religion. And that's why there's so many religions. But I've told you, every other religion out there, and I haven't been involved in all of them, but I've been involved with some of them, they all have one thing in common. Some type of portion of Scripture is their base. But they've twisted it. Just like the enemy does with Scripture. Because the enemy can't create. He only can distort the truth. He can't create. He's not a created being. He only can distort. He's a liar. He's a murderer. He, he deceives people. That's why the, 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 the spirit of deception is rising up in the last days before Christ returns. Oh, that we will understand the signs of the time, but that's not for the church to be scared and weak. Listen. Listen. The world is out there screaming lies. The church is not to just to be sitting idly by whispering truth. No, we've got to be out there living. We've got to have what our Father has compassion for those who are still apart of Him, apart from Him. Like we have to understand. Like these people, if they take their last breath today, they're going to end up in hell for eternity. And I've always encouraged you, you need to care more about people's eternity than their temporalness. Life is short. But the good news, this is good news. The Christian faith is not this this horrible news. Though, apart from Christ, people see it that way. The gospel offends. you just living your life godly. You will offend others who are not in Christ. The gospel offends. I shared with you this before. Before I came to Christ, I hated Jesus. I hated the church. I hated Christians. Because I saw no power in their God. I saw no power in their God. And there would be these Christians, so-called Christians, because they really weren't Christians, but they held the name of Jesus, and yet they did not live to reflect Christ. They held a form of religion, but there is no power in it that transformed them. Oh, they would tell me I ought to go to church and I ought to love Jesus, but they were in the bar with me the next hour or in bed with me the next day. It's ridiculous. But there's those that I recall in my life before I came to Christ that were true Christians. That irritated me.
2: <laughs>
0: but I can see now that they loved me enough just to keep planting the seed. Keep watering the seed. It wasn't up to them to harvest it. See, as Christians, that's what we're called to do. We're called to plant and to water. It's the Holy Spirit's job that harvest it. He begins this work in us. It's his loving kindness that draws us to repentance. And yet there's many Christians in this, and I say that loosely, so-called religious people who claim the name of Christ and, and say they're Christians, but they don't even know Christ. I'm listening to this, these lectures, like they're two hours or more long you thought I talked a lot. Man, this guy just goes and goes and, and he's so fascinating and he's not a Christian. I mean, he's a well-known doctor, <laughs> a psychologist. And he has, has studied and he sits under these teachings of these people who are just They have impacted generations upon generations upon generations with their teachings. And some of them are very anti-God and very anti-Christian. But what he has found as he's looking at the state of the world, (laughs) he says there must be something, yet he will not say he's a believer, and yet he's coming at the Christian life from a different angle. And he tells these people who shows up for these lectures and he's shocked that there's so many people showing up. He's shocked that millions are watching all around the world. And he's starting in the book of Genesis. And he says there's something about this book that we need in the world today that we have tried to write it off we have tried to dismiss it but for whatever reason and as Christians we know the reason but for whatever reason it has lasted this long and the teachings of it mankind needs and I just go wow And he tells these people, I don't have all the answers. I'm walking through this with you to try to make sense of all of this. But one thing he says, I know we need it. We need this. And I'm like, wow, God. Millions of people are being exposed to your word. And then he has these answer, question and answers at the end. And these, these people who are so far from God is standing there just asking these questions. And I'm like, God, you're so awesome. Even if their heart intent is not to come for the sake of, of Jesus, but God's seed, just your word going out, is covering so many people. And oh, how the church... So I started thinking about when when the Bible says to pray for laborers for the harvest. That the laborers are few, but the harvest is plentiful. Oh, as I'm watching, I'm praying for laborers to come alongside and and live out truth. There's so many times I just want to scream at, at the screen as I'm watching and be like, Oh my goodness! You've got so much knowledge, but you're missing. Call it what it is. Call him by name. Call him by name. I said, God, you see, God desires to have us as he originally purposed to be his people and that we will be his god these christians back in the old days of my life these true christians they loved me enough to share truth they allowed me to go toe to toe eat them up have a you know act like a fool in front of them but they didn't waver And I remember them. I just go, wow. How are you doing, you all? You're sitting here today. Are you a Christian? Do you understand what it means to live a life new in Christ? What he accomplished for you through the cross and then the power of the resurrection you know, I used to mock Christians. <laughs> like, how can that make sense? See, before Christ, none of it makes sense. Because your eyes haven't been opened. The veil hasn't been removed. The Bible says you're blinded by Satan. But when your eyes are open, how can you continue to live a life as if your eyes are still closed? How can you continue to claim his name and deny his fame? How can you continue to do you when you're supposed to be dying to self and living for Christ? You see, application. I didn't forget it. Just had to get back to it. Sustained work. Sustained effort. Hard work. But again, not in and of yourself, but that dependence upon the Holy Spirit whom Jesus says, I have to go away so he will come. He's your teacher. He's your comforter. He's your counselor. You see, Scripture says that he begins this work in us and he is faithful to complete it. One of my favorite little prayers when I've gone through seasons of drought, of like, oh God, where am I at? What am I doing? (laughs) Is looking up towards the heaven and say, God, your word says that you are faithful to the work of your hands God I'm the work of your hands not because of anything of me God because you, you called me out of darkness I wasn't looking for you and just as it is for me so it is with you you're not looking for God in you of yourself but God is pleased to reveal himself to you and it's in that revelation that he is revealing to you that either you come to him humbly or you reject him But the reality of how gracious He is, slow to anger, so compassionate towards a people who are in complete rebellion towards Him. And so, in those seasons that you will go through, that I have been through and will go through again, He's faithful. We're the work, if you're you're truly a Christian, you're the work of His hands. He's not going to neglect you. No. He's preparing you. He's growing you. See, you're facing the circumstances that you're facing today or will face tomorrow, ultimately for His glory. So stop putting your hands on it to fix it. Stop allowing your mind to race, to understand it. Stop being so anxious. Because you don't have the answers. The one ifs are lording over you. Trust in God. You say, oh, you don't know what I'm going through. No, I may not know the full scope of it. But what I do know... <laughs> Is what he's accomplished. I have lived that life. As a Christian. Overwhelmed. Anxious. Panic. In seasons of. Sickness and disease. And torment. And religion. But through it all. He's still God. It wasn't him that changed. It was me. Because I took my eyes off of him. That's why we're called to keep our eyes on Jesus. Focus your eyes. Seek him and you will find him if you seek him with your whole heart. You're not to live half hearted. You're not to be in today and then out tomorrow. You, you don't turn this around to, to be about you. You don't fit him into your schedule. He is your schedule. He needs to be number one. Not your family, not your friends, not your job, not anything else. Jesus says that to us. He tells us. Like, it's me. Don't put anything above me. Because why would we want to feast off or have the created be what's lording over us? And yet that's what our nature loves. But as Christians, we're not worshiping the created. We don't need the creative. We don't need the relationships. We don't. We were purposed for them. So don't misunderstand me. But they're not our need. I'm not finding my identity in the relationships in which I have. I used to. But no, my identity is in Christ. Because people are going to come and go. People are going to betray you. People are going to hurt you. People are going to die. People are going to move. People, come and go. But there's one who says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm with you till the very end of the age. And his name is Jesus. And yet people are searching out there and they're giving their all to these relationships to these needs, to these desires that ultimately will lead them astray. So you have to be equipped, you all, if you're calling yourself a Christian, to be able to stand upright in the midst of a wicked and perverse generation when all hell comes after you, when the world system is screaming at you, And when your very flesh gets enraged and desirous, that you were able to stand fully geared up in the armor of God, knowing how to distinguish between good and evil and to live your life that honors God. And say, I don't belong to you any longer, devil. I don't belong to you, world system. My interest in you, as the scripture says, is gone. And your interest in me is over. And old flesh, you may desire to do whatever, to lie, steep, chill, kill, lust, whatever. But I'm telling you, you won't rule me any longer. I have crucified you to his cross. See, I don't know how you're speaking when you're tempted to lie. When you're tempted to look where you ought not to be looking. When you're tempted to think thoughts, you know you ought not to be thinking. You see, you have to push back. It's just not a little prayer. You're praying, poof, you're a Christian. Onward, Christian soldier. No, you're not going nowhere. You can't even pick up anything. Because you're run over by everything. No, no, you've got to be a Christian. One who has had an encounter with the living God who knows their God and not fully know Him. that's why I love that song from this morning in our prayer time. To know Him and then to know Him more. Because we're not perfected until we are with Him, but until then we're maturing. So why is it that this easy kumbaya Christianity it's flourishing in the lands. Because it's giving you the right to yourself. You hear these stars, these, these celebrities. I'm a Christian. But I support abortion. God loves abortion. Who? 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 I mean, the stuff that's coming out of people's mouths. And I told you, last week I believe it was, there's a movement now in the church to deconstruct the faith, to strip God of His holiness and make Him common. And people are devouring that. Why? Because the created would always love the created. But listen, it takes effort, you all, to keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. I told you, there's many times I want to throw my hands up and say, God, this is crazy. <laughs> who, who, who does this? But it's not about anyone else doing it. It's about him who's done it. <laughs> That's why Jesus can say, hey, hey, come follow me. Because he's already accomplished. That's why when he cries out on the cross, it is finished. Like, do you know your God? Do you celebrate him? Do you have the confidence in him? Instead of placing your confidence in all these other decisions and everything that's going on around you, listen, the world is shaking. (laughs) But listen, for a Christian, let the earth shake because we're already engrafted into a kingdom that cannot be shaken. That a hundred thousand fall dead on our right side and ten thousand on our left side. We're still living. Living for Jesus. Like, I don't know how you're equipping yourself. So when you hear me talk throughout this year about application, <laughs> Sustained effort, hard work. You're going to get dirty. You're going to fall on your face, but you got to get back up. There's going to be days where you just want to be discouraged you just no, no, I don't want to hear nothing else about Jesus. But you got to push on. You got to press on. You can't be a weak-willed Christian making a mockery of a holy God. Saying you love him one minute, and then denying him the next. He is a God of love. The Bible is very clear. He's God. He's a God of love. God is love, but he's also a God of wrath. He is not changed. He is not changed. And I know we like to do away in the Christian realm to do away with the Old Testament God as if he's buried and dead. <laughs> oh, no, he's not. And in fact, the New Testament tells you it's better that you be under the Old Covenant than under the New. Because you don't have to, back in this covenant, you need two or three witnesses <laughs> against your character. And the New Covenant, you have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They know you. They know the very depths of your being. If you belong to them or if you don't. (laughs) This is the God in whom we say we've come to gather to worship. So you can't just go in one ear and out the other. Did you cultivate your heart this morning? The Bible is very clear. There's certain soils of the heart that retains the word of God And then it produces fruit. And then there's other soils that it's snatched out, it's choked out. And if you read that parable, Jesus tells you, like the people received it, oh yeah, 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 yeah. But as soon as the trying times come upon their life, it really reveals who they are. Apart from God. See, we got to stop playing, y'all. See, I love you enough. (laughs) Not just to tickle your ears. This young girl asked me the other day, she goes, oh, what's your topic for Sunday? I said, well, I said, do you really want to know? She goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I really want to know. So I started giving her the list. She was like... (laughs) All at once? (laughs) Oh... I said, what's your preacher preaching on this Sunday? (laughs) Wealth. (laughs) I said, well, I hope that goes good for you. (laughs) What kind of craziness? (laughs) This should be the norm. Pastors are to be shepherds. Not entertainers. Not telling you how you can live your best life now. When I know good and well, when you walk out, all hell is going to come on you. The world system is growing at, at a higher and a greater rate, and your flesh is looking to devour whatever it wants. And I'm supposed to stand up here and tell you the seven keys to great wealth in the kingdom. Come on now. I mean, come on. Because who's then that when the wealth is stripped or the power grid goes out and the whole world turns upside down to stand as kingdom people. This world is not our home. So people can laugh, people can mock, people can whatever. I know in whom I believe. And his name is Jesus, the author and the perfecter of my faith. Oh, I hope you have confidence. So application comes from the word apply. To give one's full attention to a task, to work hard. So applying the Bible, applying the word of God is the duty of all Christians If we don't apply it, the Bible becomes nothing more to us than a normal book and and practical collection of old manuscripts. That's why Paul says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, listen to what he says to the church. Put into practice, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. When we apply the Bible, God himself will be with us. The first step towards applying God's word in our lives is reading it. Our goal in reading is not to get to know God. I'm sorry. Our goal our goal in reading is to get to know God, to learn his ways and to understand his purpose for this world and for us individually. In reading the Bible, we learn about God's interactions with humanity throughout history, his plan of redemption, his promises, and his character. We see what the Christian life looks like. The knowledge of God we glean from Scripture serves as an invaluable foundation for applying the Bible's principles for life. You know why people keep getting tripped up in their Christian life? They don't know their God. They're still their God trying to be like God (laughs) and just slapping Jesus on their lives. See, when you know Him, when you begin to seek Him, like I told you, when I came to Christ, I knew nothing. All I knew was that I was His enemy. (laughs) But His great love, He revealed Himself to me, so I said, God, how then now shall I live? I just want to know you. I mean, people thought I went crazy. People thought I went crazy. Ah, he'll be back. He'll be back. Oh, there's many times I wanted to run back. But how could I? What are you doing in my life? Who are you, God? So I sought after him. Are you hungry for the God who's calling your name? To know Him. To be known by Him. I told you, all those tapes right there, the whole list. I went to the church service with my lover, him and his sister. I didn't know what was happening to me in my life. And when I gave the altar call, I got up and he pulled me down. And he looked at me and said, where are you going? I said, I got to get to the altar. I need Jesus. And I left that night. I want that. I want this. I want that. I want this. I want that Bible. And I began to read, to listen, like, who is this God Who I thought hated me my whole life. Who I was told how much he hated me. What is he doing? Why is he awakening me? Why didn't he just let me die on that couch? Why did he intervene? And so it is with your life. He intervenes. He steps in. And Lord, I started reading and memorizing the Amplified Bible. If you never read the Amplified Bible, go get one and read it. Because yeah. when I finally found the church to sit in, I say, like, what are they? Wait, what's all that? The Amplified Bible takes the text of Scripture and stretches it out, not changes it, but just stretches it out just so you have a deeper understanding of what the words are saying.
2: I was like, gracious,
0: this is what I've been learning. I love the Amplified Bible, but I wish someone would have told me in the beginning. <laughs> but listen, I know what it's like. I told you before I would sit there and I'd begin to read, but those off. I hated school. I hated school. I didn't like to read. I'm not well educated. But there I was, reading. I had no understanding. What, what is this saying? But then I would feel myself wanting to sleep. Or like, ah, oh, I don't need to do it today. But then I started understanding the works of the flesh. And through this teaching up there, and I was like, huh? This is me fighting still against you? I said, oh, no. Flesh, you can sit up and watch a movie for two and a half hours. And not doze off. You better get up. I picked myself up and I would walk the floor. Over in your house. (laughs) And read the Bible. I wasn't looking to someone to tickle my ears and make me feel whatever. No, I wanted to know God. Who is this God? I don't know about you. But do you hunger for him like that? And even in my Christian walk, I told you, there's been times where I'm like, I don't want you anymore. (laughs) Leave me alone. I mean, how crazy is that? Getting out of my car on the highway, throwing my fist up. You made a mess of my life. And I'm cleaning that up because I didn't say it like that. I was cursing God. You're making a fool out of me. I didn't ask for you. I don't want you. These are real moments. I'll show you. I'll show you. And I told you that. I went that night I did just the most horrible things. And the next morning, as soon as my eyes opened up. That's what the Lord said. Are you done? (laughs) Did you find what you needed?
2: Oh God, no, I'm filthy. Oh
0: God, what's going on in my mind? Maybe I am crazy. Pented and God just loved on me I'm just like, ah see it's hard work. It's sustained effort. It's reading the Bible, it's applying it. It's doing what you need to do on your part to grow, to mature, to trust in, to obey. Because that's the fruit of application. You know if you're applying God's word and God's truth if you see obedience in your life. If you don't see that you're obeying and you're quick to do whatever, trust me, you in a form of religion and you're denying the power of God and you will stand before the living God and give an account for how you made others stumble. Think about that. The next time you just want to carry on with a office gossip or lie and manipulate the circumstances that benefit you or to give in to your lust and your desires come on we gotta get right we gotta get real there's practical application that needs to take place in your life for you truly to understand the God who has called you out who he is and how then now shall you live So from reading, our next goal is is what the psalmist refers to as hiding God's word in our hearts. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The way we hide God's word in our hearts is by studying, memorizing, and meditating on what we have first read. These four steps, read, study, memorize, and meditate, make it possible to successfully apply the scriptures to our lives. So to study. While studying certainly involves reading, reading is not the same as studying. To study God's word means that we prayerfully devote time and attention to acquiring advanced knowledge on a particular person, subject, theme, passage, or book of the Bible. A multitude of study resources is available, including biblical commentaries, And publish Bible studies that enable us to feast on the meat of God's word. We can familiarize ourselves with these resources. Then choose a topic, a passage, or a book that piques our interest and dive in. To memorize. It is impossible to apply what we cannot remember. God, would you just remember that. And when you get the notes, would you just circle it and highlight it. Carrie, put it in bold. It is impossible to apply what we cannot remember. If we are going to hide the word in our hearts, we have to first get it in there by means of memorization. Memorizing scripture produces within us a well from which we may continually drink, especially at times when we are not able to read our Bibles in the same way that we store up money and other earthly possessions for future use, we should lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul. We're told that in Deuteronomy. Create a plan for the scripture verse you would like to memorize each week. I've told you before about having index cards. and On your phone, you can make a note. There's so many tools that you could do to keep them before you. I used to keep the little cards in my back pocket. Pull them out when I need them. Read them, meditate upon them, test myself. Look at it, flip it over, see if I can see it. Write it out. Whatever was needed, I wanted in me. And then to meditate. Writer and philosopher Edward Burke once said to read without reflecting is like eating without digesting. We cannot afford to eat God's word without digesting it. In the parable of the four soils that I was referring to earlier, Jesus tells a sower who goes out to sow seed in his field only to find that some seeds, the word of God, had fallen on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprung up, since they had no depth or soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. This, Jesus says, is the person in whom the word is sown, but it does not take root. Psalms 1-2 says that the man who meditates on God's word is blessed. Donald S. Whitney in his book Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life writes, The tree of your spiritual life thrives best with meditation because it helps you absorb the water of God's word. Merely hearing or reading the Bible, for example, can be like a short rainfall on hard ground. Regardless of the amount or intensity of the rain, most runs off and little sinks in. Meditation opens the soil of the soul and lets the water of God's word percolate in deeply the result is an extraordinary fruitfulness and spiritual prosperity if we desire for the word to take root in our lives so that we produce a harvest that pleases god we must ponder reflect and meditate on what we read and study in the bible as we meditate we can ask ourselves some questions and these questions are going to be in your notes So would you sit down? God, I hope you're doing it weekly. (laughs) Would you sit down with the notes? First and foremost, pray. God, I don't understand any of this. I still pray that because I never want to think I come to a place that I know it all. So every time I sit down, as I open up the Word, as I go to study, you humble yourself. I don't understand that the Holy Spirit revealed to me the truths in it. I may hide it in my heart that may apply it to my life, that fruit would come forth, my roots will grow down deep, I want to know, and I want to know more. So these questions: what does this passage teach me about God, not about you? What does this passage teach me about the church? What does this passage teach me about the world? What does this passage teach me about myself, about my own desires and motives? Not how I can twist the passage to use it for my benefit, but how does it teach me about myself? What are my desires? What are my motives? Because when the passage is read with that understanding, you'll see exactly, apart from Christ, who you are. And then your need for Christ. Does this passage require that I take action? If so, what action should I take? What do I do? I'm sorry, what do I need to confess and repent of? What have I learned from this passage that will help me to focus on God and strive for His glory? Go to James chapter 1. Verse 22. James chapter 1. Some scriptures I want to give you in hopes to encourage you to persevere In
2: application, applying the truth of God's Word in your life. James chapter 1, verse
0: 22 through 25. Jesus, help us, Lord. But don't just listen to God's Word. You must do what it says. Do you hear that? Think about your week this week. Think about your morning so far, did you apply God's truth? I love Jesus. Jesus, come and make everything better. God, move. God, do. <laughs> and we treat him as if he's this genie in a bottle. Do for us, do for us, do for us, do for us. Oh, there's a way to have confidence. And there's a way to pray with confidence because you're praying in agreement with God's truth. You're not praying trying to manipulate God. That's why I'm never impressed with people. You can pray all day. You can come and tell me the most elaborate stories of what God has done. But when your character doesn't line up with what you're telling me, and I've had to tell people that, especially employees. Want to come and tell me how great God is, how God has moved. Well, I say, that's interesting. And that doesn't humble you to be a better steward of your time? Why am I walking by on your computer and you got a game up? Well, you ought to be data entry. Oh, I tell them. Oh, really? God does all that and that and this. And God uses you for this, this, and that. But you come in here late, thinking that it's your schedule. You make the schedule. Come on. If your character Oh, God did that, you prayed, and God answered all of that stuff, but you there, stirring up the women on the team, but you gossiping and backbiting, got nothing good to say? Show me where that's in Scripture, oh, head intercessor. See, we got to stop playing. Trust me, the pitchforks and the and the flames came for me. A group of them got together. But God honored himself. And when the enemy came in and tried to devour, you know what my boss said when they wrote this horrible letter? He says, Rob, they don't even know you. Your character speaks louder than these words on this page. You see, sometimes, y'all, you just got to stand up. If they're calling themselves Christians, and they're comfortable acting a fool around you, then let me encourage you. You may not be a Christian. Because why are you allowing it? don't you love them enough to go oh no 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 wait a minute let's stop right here because this is an honoring god this is an
2: honoring god
0: and then they want to line up their excuses but oh no you remind them that's your flesh right there and i don't want you comfortable around me (laughs) acting a fool I'll pray with you. I'll, I'll, we'll hold each other accountable. Iron sharpens iron and we'll see the glory of the Lord. But oh no, I'm not cultivating a, a, a space where <laughs> the enemy's going to get a foothold. The Bible tells you you give the enemy a foothold, he's going to develop a stronghold. That pattern of thinking that you believe in. That's contrary to the truth of God's word. And you're not going to apply anything. (laughs) But praise be to God. If strongholds are established, don't get overwhelmed and defeated. No, understand the word of God. What does it say? He gives you the weapons of your warfare to demolish them. His word. Truth. So that you will live and not die. That you would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That when you... Take your last breath. You enter into glory. And you hear, well done. My good and faithful servant. Enter in. See, we got to get real. I'm not being mean when I'm saying that to people. I love and care enough about them. I love and care enough about them to see them grow and mature. Like what on earth? What on earth are we doing And I love you enough to lay truth before you. And before I can lay truth before you or anyone else, I've got to lay it before myself daily. Same with you, daily. That's why I always tell you, preach the gospel to yourself daily, throughout the day. You need it and I need it more than anyone else. To truly live. Truly live. See, I love it when people see me from my past. They go, What? What has happened to you? You're not the same man. That's how people should see you. Though they would like to throw your past, (laughs) though they like to lure you back in the past. Oh, you're able to stand with confidence in your God. what oh, God is that. I didn't do this. I would not have chose this. I loved my old life. People say, oh, you must have had a problem with Oh, you must have, must have. No, I wasn't tormented. I came out young. I loved everything about it. Never wrestled. Never gave it a fault. I shouldn't live this way. No. Even when they're God hates you, God hates you, God hates you. I don't, I don't, believe in that God. And so what? I used to tell God back in the day, "Listen, buddy. Oh, many nights <coughs> you can hate me all you want, you can send me to hell for eternity, but the reality is, it's on you." That's why I used to talk to God before I was saved. Because I didn't ask to be born. And to be caught up in this weird cosmic fight. <laughs> so, uh, it's not me. It's you. You see how crazy that sounds. But back then, it was my truth. I pondered life. I pondered what this and that and the meaning of life and all blah blah. blah. But God is so gracious and kind to reveal himself to you, to me, that we might come to to love him with our whole being. And then he begins to reveal as the bell is retorn, as I begin to study and read and see his plan and the reason for all this brouhaha, I go, oh God. (laughs) Jesus, thank you for opening my eyes. And then I saw that I am just serving the lesser power. What kind of nonsense is this? Do you understand the confidence that you can have when you're talking with others? I don't have to fight with people. I don't have to yell with people. I don't have to go and beat them over the head with the Bible. But how I must live before them is with confidence in my God. That I can look at a group of youth that are into the the depths of the depths of the depths of the depths of the occult. And with confidence, look at them and say, you're serving the lesser power. Why don't you step over here into the light and understand the greater power? To be able to sit down with people and talk with them. Like you don't have to beat them over the, you're not Holy Ghost Junior. You're not going to save them, but get to know them. Give them an opportunity to share what they believe. It ought not shake you to your core. Share them out. Have spiritual conversations with people. I mean, we've got to start seeing Christians as as this movement of deconstructing faith. Like, there has to be, and this is what I was praying this week, there has to be Christians who want to live it. Who believe it? That the roots are down deep. No, no, no. We're not going to accept that, that, this, that, this, that, and that. (laughs) Because it goes against the holy God. I don't need this book to change, to make me comfortable. I need him to be the God of wrath. And I need him to be the God of love. I need him to be God. I need him to be holy, holy, holy. Because it keeps me in check when my flesh wants to stretch. (laughs) So no, I I know. See, you know yourself. I gotta watch myself today. I'm gonna preach till midnight. Come on, listen. I'm not going to. Don't worry. Don't worry. (laughs) But Lord, I could. (laughs) Like you, you know yourself. So stop acting a fool. When that old nature rises up, don't give it an inch. You better look at it and say, oh, no, no, no. I know where you lead me. I know what you think. I know what you say. I know what you do. I'm going to remind you, sometimes you have to pull yourself in the mirror. Right, Yvette? I say, Yvette, keep yourself in front of the mirror. you got to tell yourself. you got to start writing things on your mirror. That wrestled for years. I'm, not, I'm, I'm you're not gonna mind me, share You that wrestled with years, just the concept of God loving her. Remember? I said, you to get in your mirror. And you look at yourself and you tell that self, you tell that old self, God loves me. God loves me. See, so you gotta get in yourself and you gotta get up. And you got to pull yourself together. When you hear something crazy, I used to with my little index card in my pocket. I used to carry a little compact mirror. You say, what was that for? Not to look at myself back in the day. It would have been to look at myself. But no, no, this time it was to look and remind myself.
2: Oh, I see you. <laughs>
0: but I'm going to remind you. See, you say, well, that's crazy. Oh, no, but it's tools that I had to do Sustained effort and hard work. You know yourself. How you think, how you move, what you say, what you like, what you desire. And you better start looking at yourself. Because how are you going to call yourself a Christian and give the glory of God in your life when you're nothing but yoked to who you were? There's no glory in that. The resurrected Christ finished it. Live so as an overcomer. I say no more. Oh, I know you. Mm-mm. And then when the world wants to step in and, and go, <laughs> and you thought I would be moved by that? No. When all hell comes at you and you're up against the sea. And there's no way around, but the enemy's breathing down your back. Remind yourself, God, you will part this water or you'll take me up. See, I don't know how you're living. If you're just showing up because, oh, uh, it's church, it's lunch today, you just show up. You ought to be fully engaged in this. We ought to see other. Churches open up, other house churches that like, birth or birth from here open up throughout our community. There should be a multiplication taking place. Whose life have you impacted this week? Well, I've got my own problems. Oh, well, look at you, selfish. I mean, come on. Either he's God or he's not. What he's done in one, he'll do in the other. Because ultimately, what is his purpose? To have a people that he will call his own, and in return, they will call him their God. And he's distributed all these different gifts among us, so that then we come in, not expecting to get anything of ourselves, but then how now then can I serve and love others? I want to think of you before I think of myself. Instead of fighting for position in the church, they ought to be fighting on how, who's going to serve who first. <laughs> Just loving on each other. Because that's when the Bible says the world, those who are out there, when they look in, they go, well, that's a strange group of people. But you know what? <laughs> they love each other. There's something different about them. How do they know that we belong to Him, the Bible says? By our love for one another. Some of the greatest compliments. So many many people come in and out here through the years. One of the greatest compliments we as a as a fellowship can receive and continue to receive is when people say, Wow, you all love each other. Y'all all all different. (laughs) Bunch of (laughs) kooks. But man, you all are tight. And I felt so welcome. That's what it should be. That's what it should be. That's how we should be living. Because we are applying God's word. We're just not listening. Don't forget, we're still in James chapter 1, verse 22. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey... It's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look intently, intently, but if you look carefully, intently, into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. We're doing it. Listen, this is who we are now. Go to Second Timothy chapter two. Second Timothy chapter two, verse fifteen. Again, scriptures to encourage you to persevere in application. Second Timothy chapter two, verse fifteen. Oh God. Highlight it, circle it, do whatever, get it before you, look at, listen, we keep looking at scripture and I keep telling you as these scriptures that we're hearing on application to all verbs and their actions that you are to do. God's already done it. You just got to get in agreement with God. Listen, I keep encouraging you. Okay, so you can't make it Wednesday nights. I don't know what keeps y'all from not coming on Wednesdays or joining on Zoom, Okay, so you can't make it Friday night. All right, fine. We all have busy schedules. Things are going on. But there has to be some night that you're sitting down with either me or someone in this fellowship and say, I'm hungry. I got I to learn. <laughs> come sit at my house or I'll come to your house. <laughs> like There's a way in which you ought to be living and connecting and, and, and hungering Get ready. Here we go. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 15. I hope you're there. Work hard. Work hard, who? You. Work hard so you can what? Present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker. One who does not need to be ashamed. And who correctly explains the word of truth. Remember what I said earlier about shame? Like, I'm telling you, I lived that. <laughs> I lived it in the world. I lived it as a Christian. <laughs> but oh, let me tell you something. When you really get free <laughs> from shame and why I love the story of the woman at the well. She went to that well in the midday heat. <laughs> she couldn't walk with the other woman because she was so burdened by shame. Mm-hmm. Carrying her jugs. Because <laughs> the town folk knew her character. Other uh, women didn't want to associate with her. I can, I, I, can, I can imagine her posture. The shame and the guilt. And yet, the shame and the guilt didn't move her to, towards Freedom she was still shacking up. <laughs> so she just lived this shame-bound guilt life. Just making it every day. Just making it every day. All of a sudden she's at the well and this man looks at her and says, give me a drink. <laughs> and the man Jesus, a man being a Jew, she's a Samaritan, he shouldn't even be talking to her. They, The Jews look down on them like dogs. And not only that, she was a woman. He shouldn't have been there alone with her. Mm,
2: come
0: on. But see, he breaks every barrier to get to you. <laughs> and they had this conversation. She's quick to turn it to a religious conversation. Making it about religion. And Jesus all there. I just want you free, daughter. Listen. Go get your husband. I don't have a husband. Oh, Jesus says you're right. The man you live with, well, you've been married so many times the man you live with isn't your husband. Oh, Jesus, be sensitive. (laughs) No. And that woman left that encounter with Jesus. Oh, not bound by shame and just get... Oh, no. She... She stood straight up. You said, How do you know? Because I've been bound by shame. I know that position. But I know when that was lifted up off of me, woo! Hoo, and she ran back to the city who scorned her, talked about her. Here comes the whore. All the filth. They talked about her. They know her past. They know what she's done. She's filthy. She's dirty. And once she come running up here all upright? Huh? And you remember what she says? Come, come with me. Come here, this man that told me everything about myself. I've heard you all talk about me. She didn't say that, but I can only imagine. But this man just told me my own business. He's the Messiah. And the whole town right now, and I love at the end when the town folk says, we believe not because you said, not because we know. She went back and she told the very people who wanted nothing to do with her. That's beautiful, you all. So the next time you want to have your little pity party, oh my poor life. Would you pull yourself in front of the mirror? And remind yourself, Jesus met me right here in my mess. Right here in my whoredom. He stepped right in. And he said, son, daughter, would you get up from there? Follow me. Work hard. Work hard so you can present yourself to God to receive his approval. Why do you think at the end he says, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter in? Or you'll hear, depart from me. I never knew you. But we did all the works in your name, but I don't know you. You understand there's so many people at the end. Have all your works, have all your religion, do all your stuff, but if that's all it is... (laughs) You didn't work hard so that you could present yourself to God to receive his approval. Be a good worker. And remember, you're not working for salvation. So don't get twisted. Like the enemy likes to come in. Remember, he can't create. He only deceives. So he tells people, psst, work harder. You're a horrible Christian. Psst. Oh, you don't measure
2: up. You ought to do this. Get more involved. This. And he
0: deceives us. He runs us a monk like a dog running in a circle, chasing her own self. That's not what God has for you. No, your works come because of salvation. That's why this weird gospel that's out there, poof, you're a Christian, poof, you're a Christian, poof, you're a Christian. Say a little prayer, say a little prayer. And you keep living however you want, doing whatever you want, Rewriting Scripture? When the Bible says don't add or take away, you do either. (laughs) You're damned. Cursed. (sighs) We have no fear of God. Oh, don't get so (laughs) work-based. So, you're not working for salvation. You're, You're already saved because the work was done through Christ. That's why this message is so liberating. The concept of this God who, who sent forth His Son to a rebellious people so that they would live and not have to endure His wrath. He took the wrath that you deserved. He made a way. He did this. It's all Him. That's why we can't take any credit. So we don't work. No. But because of salvation, works come. That's why the Bible can tell you faith without works is dead. And where there's no faith, there's no God. The Bible tells you you can't please God without faith. So I don't know how your faith walk is. Work and be a good worker. Go to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3,
2: Woo.
0: verse 16, let the message about who? Christ, the Bible says, let the message about Christ in all of its richness, ah, fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thanksgiving. And we're even carrying on the verse 17. I'm going to add that for me, Carrie. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks through him to God the Father. This is everything. no one can live that way stop making excuses okay not everything is spiritual (laughs) well then you keep your temporal (laughs) because I'd rather walk in the spirit than to gratify my flesh there's a way in which you're called to live you all stop being yoked to yourself it's hard to die (laughs) But this is the walk. So I love that song. Well, y'all missed some good worship this morning if you weren't here for it. Get up out of that grave. (laughs) See, you have to go to the grave in order to obtain the resurrection. It's not about me, myself, my wants, my feelings, my desires, blah, 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 blah. Everything else I want to identify with. You understand the confusion that's going on in our world today? They're mutilating kids. Because little Charlie woke up and wanted to play with a doll. Or little Abigail woke up and she wanted a truck. So we'll slap a slap of penis on her. This is what they're doing to kids. Where's the church? Embracing it. The majority of churches are embracing it. And you stand up and say, hey, wait a minute. They. I just told you about Matthew. Not Matthew from the Bible, this guy. Yeah. He's facing prison time because he went on an interview. He didn't talk about conversion therapy. He just said how Jesus delivered him from homosexuality and they arrested him. Now he's facing prison time. This is over in Malta. It's happening in Canada. They want to pass laws here. I told y'all. At some point, just me and Norma sharing our past, our testimony, we could end up in jail. And I don't make light of that. But I go, oh, dear God. Oh, you better know that you know that you know. (laughs) So when I see Matthew in in, in his exchange and... Just how he's working and moving through all of this. I'm just so inspired by his life. He didn't get up and talk about conversion therapy. I don't talk about conversion therapy. Conversion therapy is of the devil. Yes. I had too many friends that went through it in their lives. They committed suicide. It is utterly horrible. I'm not out to force anyone to change either. I respect people. That's how you want to continue to live, rather it's that way or this way or that way or another way or any way or the way. That's you. <laughs> not everyone is going to come to Jesus and not, Jesus didn't go to everyone. Remember at the pool, he went to that one man. There was a lot of sick people that day. Jesus, why didn't you just touch all of them? No, he went to that one. His message is for everyone. The gospel is for everyone. But not everyone's coming. So I can love people. You can love people right where they're at. And you can encourage them to be the best in that. But leave our kids alone. Don't start pushing your craziness because you won't want me to push my craziness. Because you look at me as crazy. I look at that craziness. And what we're doing nowadays, I don't know how you're living. The culture, the darkness, the level of deception rising up, the platform is being laid. I keep telling you for the Antichrist to step out. Oh, we're not to shake and quiver. No, we're preparing for our bridegroom to come. So it should be encouraging you. So then, let this message about Christ fill your life. And rejoice in it. Rejoice in it. This week's term. We probably won't get to our scriptures walking through but that's okay, we'll get to them next week. But this week's term, this theological term, I'm sharing you these terms so that you go back, you get the notes, you read them. If you still don't have a, a grasp on it and why it should impact your life, you should be picking up the phone or texting or emailing, doing something To gain understanding. So here's your word for this week. Repentance. Here's the definition. Repentance is the gift of God that enables the sinner to turn from sin and self in order to turn to God. See, it's all God that does this. (laughs) It involves, oh God, hear this, a real change. Do you understand that was a mark of a believer? Where the church was born, and it hasn't changed. The mark of a true believer is transformation. It's a transformed life. You told Jesus you want, but again, if your character, if your life isn't transformed, blah 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 blah, it means nothing. It means nothing. It involves real a real change of mind, and results. In a changed life. Repentance is motivated by God's undeserved kindness. It's all have to do with him, you all. Remember what scripture tells us. How does he transform us? By changing the way we think. The battlefield is the mind. Isn't that right? <laughs> it's all going on, but that's why we're talking. We're taught to take thoughts captive, to bring them into the obedience of His Lordship. You can just be driving down the road and all of a sudden this thought comes, and like, oh wow, where did that come from? Don't give it thought where it came from. You know where it came from. Get it. <laughs> and bring it underneath his lordship. Well, I don't know how to do that. Well, learn. This is work, you all. Have you ever heard your Christian life taught this way before? This is how you're supposed to be living. Not just Going along. Kumbaya. Oh, we're all going to heaven. Who? Well, you know, Jesus. No, stop making him some weak-willed, limp wristed man. He's God. You can't do away with the Father because the Son came. And that's what a lot of people want to do. Well, Jesus came, so, you know, God's not that God of wrath. Let's not talk about sin or hell. I've always told you, I want to get back out on the streets, y'all. I'm just telling you, like, I used to be on the streets, and for years I've been shut up in this house. But God is pulling me, and I sense it more and more each and every single day. But when people used to try to go toe-to-toe with me on the streets and say, What kind of God would do this? What kind of God wouldn't? Is the question. See, you can't let people intimidate you. Know your God. Honor your God. And don't be those weird Christians out there trying to turn over tables. (laughs) You're not Jesus. And you ought to honor where you work. You ought to honor the establishments that you're in. You don't have to disrespect them. You don't have to try. Well, I'm a Christian. I Listen. When they told Jesus to leave, he left. You don't see him turning over the tables then. No, he turned over the tables in his house. So if you want to turn over stuff, you want to fight with people, you want to carry on and act a fool, do that in your house. Because I'm sure that if you're going to act ugly, so super spiritual and religious, and, all oh, Jesus, and I'm going to stand here... You ought to do that in your home, because I'm sure if I went into your home and I asked the people how you are among them, or if I know you, I already know your character, I can tell you you're making a fool of Jesus out there. See, there's a way things ought to be done. You can have confidence and you can speak. With a certainty, not because of anything of yourself or your knowledge, just because you know who he is. People are ignorant because they don't know their God. Do you know your God? If I went around and I said, hey, 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 tell me about God. What is it that you know about God? What are you going to say? Please don't give me some weak-willed God. He's full of grace. He's full of mercy. But don't you dare make his grace to be the license for you to continue to sin when it was sin that he came to defeat and to destroy. (laughs) No, no. Grace is the power to transform. And his mercy, oh God, his mercy. You even understand what that means. You understand what you received, his mercy. Because if you don't understand mercy, you haven't seen yourself as an enemy yet. You haven't seen yourself as an enemy to his throne. We want to play games. So that's why this is where I'm going to end, though I will talk about the Heidelberg Catechism. I want to talk to you. and we're, So over the past few months, I've been sharing with you scriptures that showed us what God must do for a sinner in order for them to become a Christian. We're going to move on from that. Because I gave you an exhausted list of scriptures, and now we're going to begin over the next few months until the Lord tells me to stop. We're going to start understanding the attributes of God, Amen. His character, and listen. You can't. Well, you can run out now if you want. Yeah, you, 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 you want to leave? You can leave. Because all I'm going to tell you is everything you've been hearing over these times and these times that you dragged yourself to church. Listen, you're responsible now. The Bible says it's best that you have never heard. Mm. Then to hear and did nothing with it. So I'll give you the opportunity if you need to step out. Because you're about to hear about the character of God. You're going to start learning of the attributes of God and who He is. Because you can't remain ignorant. I can't remain ignorant. We need him now more than ever. Do you realize what we've just come through as the people of this earth? <laughs> Endured a plague three years ago. <clears throat> do you know, I sat there the other night and I was like, God, all those people who died and still dying. Do you see how God's hand kept you through it? Your purpose for this generation, it's going to get darker. You're going to go through more stuff, and we're going to face more stuff as the days continue to get evil, but it's not time to retreat. It's not time to quake in our boots. That's why we must encourage the youth. We must remind them of how great God is, that they know their God, and it just can't be words. They have to see it in your life. I have see it in your life. But you know our God. So, So what are the attributes of God? The Bible, God's Word, tells us what God is like and what He is not like. Without the authority of the Bible, any attempt to explain God's attributes, His inherent qualities, would be no better than an opinion. Which by itself is often incorrect especially in understanding God. To say that it is important for us to try to understand what God is like is a huge understatement. Failure to do so can cause us to set up, chase after, and worship false gods contrary to his will. Only what God has chosen, I'm sorry, only what God has chosen to reveal himself can be known. One of God's abilities or qualities is light. Meaning that he is self-revealing in information of himself. And there's scripture. You're going to get these notes. There's scriptures. Go read these. The fact that God has revealed knowledge of himself should not be neglected. Creation, the Bible, and the Word made flesh, Jesus Christ, will help us to know what God is like. Let's start by understanding that God is our creator. And that we are part of his creation. And are created ah, in his image. Man is above the rest of creation and was given dominion over it. Creation is marred by the fall. But still offers a glimpse of God's works. By considering creation's vastness, complexity, beauty, and order. We can have a sense of the awesomeness of God. Go read Romans 1 you all. Reading through some of the names of God can be helpful in our search of what God is like. Here are some names. Elohim, strong one, divine. It's from Genesis 1.1. Adonai, Lord, indicating a master-to-servant relationship found in Exodus 4. El Elyon, most high, the strongest one. Genesis 14.20. El Roy, the strong one who sees. Genesis 16, verse 13. El Shaddai, Almighty God, Genesis 17:1. El Olam, everlasting God, Isaiah 40, verse 28. And Yahweh, Lord I am, meaning the eternal, self-existent God. Exodus 3, verse 13 and 14. God is eternal meaning he has no beginning and his existence will never end. He is immortal and infinite. God is immutable, meaning he is unchanging. This, in turn, means that God is absolutely reliable and trustworthy. God is incomparable. There is no one like him in works or being. He is unequaled and perfect. God is inscrutable, unfathomable, unsearchable, and past finding out as far as understanding him completely. God is just. He is no respecter of person and the sense of showing favoritism. God is omnipotent. He is, is all-powerful and can do anything that pleases him. But his actions will always be in accord with the rest of his character. God is omnipresent Meaning, he is present everywhere, but this, but this does not mean that God is everything. Jeremiah, I'm oh, sorry. God is omniscient, meaning he knows the past, present, and future, including what we are thinking, ha, at any given moment. Since he knows everything, his justice will always be administered fairly. God is one, not only in there. I'm sorry, God is one. Not only is there no other, but he is alone. He is being able to meet the deepest needs and longings of our hearts. God is alone. God alone is worthy of our worship and devotion. God is righteous, meaning that God cannot and will not pass over wrongdoing. It is because of God's righteousness and justice that in order for our sins to be forgiven, Jesus had to experience God's wrath when our sins were placed upon him. And don't get confused. God is three, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So when it says here that God is one, it's not stripping away the Trinity. What it's saying is that there is no others. He's not one among many. He is the only one. He is the I am. God is sovereign, meaning he is supreme over all of his creation. Put together, cannot thwart his purposes. God is spirit, meaning he is invisible. God is Trinity, He is three in one, the same as substance, equal in power and glory. God is truth. He will remain incorruptible and cannot lie. God is holy, separated from all moral defilement and hostile toward it. God sees all evil and it angers him. God is referred to as a consuming fire many times in scripture. Go read those this week. God is gracious and his grace includes his goodness, kindness, mercy and love. If it were not for God's grace, His holiness would exclude us from His presence. Thankfully, this is not the case, for He desires to know each of us personally. Since God is an infinite being, no human can fully answer this God-sized question. But through God's Word, we can understand much about who God is and what He is like. May we all wholeheartedly continue to seek after him. So we're going to start picking this up in our times together, looking at the attributes of God. To know your God, you all. To love your God. Because remember, we're to be the people of God doing the will of God for the glory of God. We'll end today with a Heidelberg Catechism. Lord's Day 43. Here's the question. Again, these are tools That I'm placing before you. Hopefully that you'll pick up. And begin to. No matter where you're at in your walk with faith. In faith. Some of you could be infants. Some of you could be senior saints. Some of you could be in between. Some of you may not even be in faith at all. But no matter where you're at. I know this about God. He'll meet you right there. So you're not growing to, to meet man's expectations a oh, I gotta do this or we're looking because no. then you're looking into... listen you just got to start dealing with the lies that you believe and start placing them with truth that's why I always tell you you hear people say well I'm not going to go to church anymore I, I don't feel like I fit in what kind of nonsense that's exactly what the enemy wants you to out get you out you no, you ought to say, I may not fit in, but by God, I want to know this, God. I may not be living up to one who does, but I know as far as I've heard, he'll humble me. He'll get me to a place where I'll call upon him. Reminds me of this lecture that I'm listening to. All of these, non- I mean, and it's millions throughout the earth are listening to this. And they're not Christians. I'm sure some Christians are listening, but the majority of them... They're educated philosophers. I'm like, God, aren't you something? Aren't you something? That even the well-educated people are now beginning to take a look and say, what is this book? What is it? And ultimately I pray it just not be, what is it? They would know who is the word. Because even out of his mouth yesterday, he says, I have to stop. we got to go to the New Testament. when John writes, in the beginning was the word of God. And I go, oh Lord, please, please God. Like God is going to end up doing something in these people's lives. I'm like, Lord, we're going to have some educated people who are going to be so confident in the God that they know this earth is not going to know what to do. Because God is going to humble them and bring them, I believe this, to their knees and they're going to begin to start proclaiming the gospel. Because you can't seek him at that deep level that they're heading and not finding. Lord's Day 43. So I'm giving you these tools, you all, to know your God. What is the aim of the ninth commandment? Oh, you need to hear this. Perk up. Listen to this in our closing that I never give false testimony against anyone, twist no one's words, not gossip or slander, nor join in condemning anyone rashly or without a hearing, rather in court or everywhere else. I should avoid lying and deceit of every kind. These are the very devices the devil uses, and they will call down on me God's intense wrath. Sit on that for a bit. The next time you want to spout off. I shall love the truth. Speak it candidly. And openly acknowledge it. And I shall shall do what I can to guard and advance my neighbor's good name. Oh, and there's a lot of scriptures for you. Oh, did you hear that today? What is the aim of the ninth commandment? That I never give false testimony against anyone. Twist No one's words, not gossip or slander, nor join in condemning anyone rashly or without a hearing, rather in court or everywhere else. I should avoid lying and deceit of every kind. These are the very devices the devil uses. Remember, he's the father of lies, and you feel comfortable? You feel comfortable just spouting off, Living in your weird world. See, too many of us, for the time apart from Christ, we live in a false sense of reality. Huh. We made up good stories. We know how to present. We know, oh, everyone look, look. You have good stories. But as a Christian, you're not living, what are you doing back over here? You're not even living in truth. And then you're going to stand before people and try to deceive them. Careful. Careful. You better die to that. You better... I remember years ago... Oh, I used to tell some good stories. I could, I could put on a show and a flare and a heartbeat. I could tear you down with my tongue in an instant. I don't boast in that now because I dare not do it now. But I remember coming a Christian. I think it was you and I, Gilda, sitting in Studio Stars or whatever that restaurant was at Universal. And I was about to unleash some gossip. And I went to speak (laughs) like the Lord was taking my tongue. And trust me, that old nature, it wants to. You can't tame it, but he can. So just stop it. Stop living in a world that's not real. Be mentally healed. (laughs) Stop the nonsense. Because you're basing your identity off things that aren't true. Stop doing these things because they are the devices the devil uses. And not only that, they will... Call down on me God's intense wrath. Oh, but no, 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 God, God wouldn't do that. See, He understands my flesh, understands my weakness. And that's the God of the Old Testament. Have you read the New Testament? When the church is being encouraged to remember who her God is and who, what her identity is now, what you are to be putting away and adding on to your life? And if you're supposed to be dressing yourself with the presence of Jesus. That's what the Bible tells you. Did you do that this morning? <laughs> oh Rob, this it can't be literal. Oh it's not? Well then what is it? Is it a figurative? Oh, if you want to, maybe, maybe today, maybe not. Come on. Who lays down their life to run in circles? For nothing? Stop, stop it with yourselves. Can you stop it? Because that way of living is what's back over here. You just wanted to fit in. Right? You just wanted to fit in. But when you're secured in Christ, I don't have to make up stories. I don't have to live in this false reality. No. I just love Jesus. And I'm a mess without him. And why would I want to do something that ultimately he hates? It angers him. But if you don't know him, you have no check in your spirit for the Holy Spirit to go. You really going to go that way? Something I love about Norma. I love the fact the Holy Spirit can grab her and bring her down quickly. apart from the Holy Spirit she's a liar well she's a lot of other stuff she's a liar right and I'll never forget sitting with her and her just breaking I don't want to I don't want to to do that anymore sometimes you just have to go back to people and well that shit wasn't real wasn't right I'm sorry you all Hold me accountable. See, you're supposed to be bringing the fruitless deeds of darkness out into the light. We're not going to pounce on you. You know, we're not going to like, oh, you know, no. Because we would be no different but for the grace of God, the the power to transform us. That's why I've always told you all, you all part of a fellowship. It, It kills me there's not more people. I don't beg you to tithe. I don't twist your arm because, you know, people don't go to church because all they want is my money. There's a bucket that sits there you ought to be giving. The New Testament, they gave everything. I don't have to tell you to give 10%. (laughs) But you ought to be tithing. So scratch that off the list when you start sharing about your church with other people and inviting them to come. I'm not going to perform or dance where you're just going to hear the word of God. You're just going to be held accountable to the standard that God has set, not man. And ultimately, come as you are and remain coming as you are. Now, we're not going to let you call yourself a Christian, (laughs) but we'll give everyone the opportunity to sit here to respond. Remember those strippers? (laughs) Lena's mother? Her friend, get off work and come up in here. Mm-hmm.
1: Come on. Remember who gave him the
0: Bible? Y'all remember that day? Roger and Jackie were here. Were you here that day? Remember I was preaching? And then she was like,
2: where are you at? <laughs> she never had the
0: Bible. She, you know, so I had to stop and, you know, show her. And I remember Roger and Jackie pulled me aside and the they were like, I don't know any other church like this. That would allow them, first of all, in. And then for you to be patient and to stop and to go and to show them where you're at in the Bible. You see, we care about people. I can't force people. You can't force people to change. There's been so many people in and out of here. But this is a healthy place. We're not going to point fingers. We're not going to, to do anything. Now, the only thing we will do is if you're calling yourself a Christian, you ain't a Christian. There ain't nothing coming from your life, don't you? You may have to be set out. Not because I'm a bad guy. It's just that I want to honor God. I want to honor God. I would hope you all will want to honor God. That's why accountability is so important. First before God and then with others. We've got nothing to hide. We've got nothing to hide. So if you're dealing with hidden sin, you're dealing with things that you that you know are not lining up, or or you're just new to the faith and you're unsure, then just get plugged in. Just get plugged in. I know it's not like the norm. Church on the corner. But we are the church. We are the church. And we function just like any other body. We're just not making a payment on a building. (laughs) But we want to impact our communities. We want to impact our work places we we want to get up from here and not just be hearers but we want to be doers how are you putting feet and this is what i'm holding people accountable some of you i'm meeting one on one with some of you are not but as long as we're together expect that from me not because i'm prying and i want to be mean but i desire for all of us to grow to grow to know god this is my hope for this year we can't let another year get to the end we're already in february and you can't get to December and be like, oh. Like, we don't know what's ahead, but we know who's already there. That's <laughs> right. And there's a level of confidence that I hope to see come up in all of us that our hearts and our lives will change and that we would become a people who want God to move in our generation and want to be used of God. So I'm going to close with this last song and pick up the other scriptures next week and then I'll close us in prayer.